Well, good evening to you tonight. It's good to be here. And uh, Brother Pastor, how old is Brother Laura? Uh, how old is the brother that's coming here, uh, the head man of the missionary thing? I, I don't know. He's probably over 30, but I don't know. Over 30? I, I think he's probably in his 70-something. I think I listened to that guy when I was a kid. Okay? I, I wouldn't say for sure, but I think I listened to him when I was a kid. Okay. It, it, you know, I've never been a kid. Okay, I've been old all my life, and uh, my face is just now showing it. And uh, well, it's good to be here tonight, and uh, I'm glad to see each person here. And uh, stay tuned. Now we're going to look at some things tonight that I pray will be a help to you when it comes to understanding about the King James Bible. Now, let me turn this thing on and see what we got going here. Okay, tonight I'd like for us to look at the Bible and let the Bible speak for itself. And of course that is the King James Bible that, uh, that we're going to look at tonight. And uh, if I can get this thing to, to turn a little bit here. Well, I'll tell you right now, we're gonna look in the book of Acts tonight, Acts chapter six, if you wanna go ahead and turn, your, turn in your Bibles there. And we're gonna look at that. And uh, Brother Hopper, I don't think it's going to work, brother. You may have to flip that thing for me. Well, that's not what I wanted up there, but that's, that's uh, it, at least it, it turned. All right, tonight, the King James Bible. Now, God's Word, the King James Bible, comes from God through the manuscripts of Antioch, Syria. And God's Word does not come from the manuscripts of Alexandria, Egypt. Now, the Textus Receptus, there we go, study number two, okay, study number two. Now, let me see if this, let me see if this will go a little bit now. Well, uh, Brother Hopper, are you going to work that thing for me? All right, all right, the Textus Receptus, uh, the received text, this is Latin for the received text, and this is the name given to the succession of printed Greek text of the New Testament. And uh, the Old Testament, of course, for the King James is the Masoretic Hebrew text. And this text, the Masoretic text, was used as the basis for translations of the Old Testament for the King James Bible. And then we see also that the Masoretic text would also be uh, listed as the MT or M text. Now you say, well, this is pretty boring. No, it's not boring. You need to listen and understand that this is where the Bible comes from. And we need to realize that it did not come from a tainted manuscript. Well, the, M, the MT or M is the authoritative Hebrew and Aramaic text of the Tanakh. This is the Judaism scripture. And the Tanakh, the Judaism scriptures, consist of, first of all, the Torah. This is the first five books of the Bible. The first Bible school I went to, guess where they started me? the first five books of the Bible. We're, we're better to start than in the front of the book Amen. and start going through it and understanding God's plan. Well, this is the, uh, the Tanakh as the Judaism scriptures and it consisted of the Torah, uh, the Navi, this is the prophets, uh, Joshua through Malachi, and also the Ketuvim. This is the writings of the Psalms through Second Chronicles. Now the Bible speaks uh, this study, let's see how Antioch, Syria, compares with Alexandria, Egypt. 
It's very important to understand the two, to see the differences here. When we study about Bibles, we discover that the original manuscripts of the New Testament and the Old Testaments can be traced back primarily to Antioch, Syria, and Alexandria, Egypt. And we see that these two cities produced two different lines of manuscripts. And after they made their way into print, these manuscripts from Antioch were called the Received Text. I mentioned that earlier, the Textus Receptus. The manuscripts from Alexandria, Egypt, were called the Alexandrian Texts. And they did not always agree with each other, these two texts. Well, which manuscripts did, did the Lord keep pure and which manuscripts were corrupted? Well, tonight I want you to realize, and you may have counted them by now, there are 1,189 chapters in the King James Bible. I've counted those, okay? It's not hard to do. Go to the front of the book and you count those 1,189 chapters. Well, something amazing happens in chapter 1024. This is Acts 6. Both of the cities of Antioch, Syria, and Alexandria, Egypt, are mentioned for the first time in the Bible. Let's look at Antioch. Now, when we, when we look at Antioch, we go to Acts chapter 6. Now, I would have you to open your Bibles because we're going to look at some verses tonight. And I want the Bible to speak for itself so that we can see that the Word of God is true and pure. Acts chapter 6, verses 5 through 9. And the saying pleased the whole multitude, and they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Ghost, and Philip, and Procurus, and Nicanor, and Timon, and Parmenas, and Nicholas, a proselyte of Antioch, whom they set before the apostles, and when they had prayed, they laid their hands on them. And the word of God increased, and the number of the disciples multiplied in Jerusalem greatly, and a great company of the priests were obedient to the faith. And Stephen, full of faith and power, did great wonders and miracles among the people. Then there arose certain of the synagogue, which is called the synagogue of the Libertines and Cyrenians and Alexandrians and of them of Cilicia and of Asia disputing with Stephen. Now notice in verse 5. In verse 5 we have a short list of seven chosen men. These were honest men. They were wise men. They were full of the Holy Ghost. And the list opens with Stephen and closes with Nicholas, a proselyte of Antioch. This is very important now that we follow this line of thinking here. This is the only city mentioned in this list, list of outstanding men. This is where they came from. This is it. Now, the first time that Antioch is mentioned in the Bible, it is mentioned in a positive light. And that's what we just saw. Now, we're listening to the Bible as the Bible speaks. Then we go to chapter 11 of the book of Acts. The Bible speaks again. Chapter 11, verses 19 through 21. Now they which were scattered abroad upon the persecution that arose about Stephen traveled as far as Thanese and Cyprus and Antioch, preaching the word to none but unto the Jews only. 
And some of them were men of Cyprus and Cyrene, which when they were come to Antioch, spake unto the Grecians, preaching the Lord Jesus. And the hand of the Lord was with them, and a great number believed and turned unto the Lord. Now notice verse 19 here. Verse 19 says they were preaching the word where? In Antioch. And then we see also in verse 20. Verse 20 says they were preaching the Lord Jesus in Antioch. They were not just preaching anything, but they were preaching the Lord Jesus Christ here. Verse 21 of Acts chapter 11, it shows the hand of the Lord was with them and many believed. The word of God went forth. I thank God today that the word of God went forth. Not only we see decisions in our church here, people coming forward and and asking God's leadership in uh, the faith promise as to what, give, what they should give, what the Lord would place on their hearts. And I thank the Lord that we had one salvation uh, person raise the hand today in, in the service that we had earlier uh, for Rick Hofling. And I thank God for that. God does that. The Word of God does that. The Scriptures. God speaks to hearts and they respond they either respond favorably or negatively. They either accept Jesus Christ or they refuse Jesus Christ. It's all of God when a person gets saved. Once again, we look in chapter 11 there, the verses we just read. We see the Bible mentions Antioch in a positive light. God was revealing himself to the Gentiles in Antioch. Then we go to verses 22 through 24 of Acts chapter 11. And I trust you're following along with me in your Bible. The Bible speaks again, reading with verse 22 of Acts 11. Then tidings of these things came unto the ears of the church which was in Jerusalem. And they sent forth Barnabas that he should go as far as Antioch, who when he came and had seen the grace of God was glad and exhorted them all that with purpose of heart they would cleave unto the Lord. For he was a good man and full of the Holy Ghost and of faith. And much people was added unto the Lord. Now on your study sheets tonight, you'll see number one after those verses that I just read. Barnabas was sent by the church of Jerusalem, where? To Antioch. Verse 22 says that. He won many people to the Lord. Antioch. And then we see that Barnabas, Barnabas was a good man, full of the Holy Ghost and faith. Now notice once again, when reading the Bible, we feel good about Antioch. Everything has been good. A man of God was in Antioch. He was about to reveal the Lord Jesus Christ to the Gentiles. The Bible says there's neither bond nor free Jew nor Greek that everybody can be saved, and this is what this is proving as well. These people were preaching the word to people at Antioch, and people got saved. We're still in chapter 11 now in the next section here in verses 25 through 27. The Bible speaks again, verse, starting with verse 25. Then departed Barnabas to Tarsus for to seek Saul. You remember Saul. He was the one who got saved on the road to Damascus. God spoke to him, and uh, Saul got saved. Verse 26, and when he had found him, when he found Saul, he brought him unto Antioch 
And it came to pass that a whole year they assembled themselves with the church and taught much people. And the disciples were called Christians first, where? In Antioch. Verse 27, and in these days came prophets from Jerusalem unto where? Antioch. Now notice on your study sheet there, number one, Barnabas went to Tarsus to get Saul, according to verse 25. Next, we see that Barnabas brought Saul back to where? Antioch. For one solid year, Barnabas and Saul taught the people in Antioch. Now remember, Saul's name had not been changed to Paul at this time. His name was Saul. But for one solid year, Barnabas and Saul taught the people in Antioch. And notice this. Barnabas and Saul didn't teach just a few people. They taught much people. Now we, uh, we wonder today why many churches are dwindling. And I know that some of these so-called churches are bringing people in with any means possible with the uh, entertainment and so forth. But when we, when we think of this, we wonder, well, how can we get people in? Well, ladies and gentlemen, I got a newsflash for you. When you preach and teach the Word of God, people come. People will get saved if you're preaching and teaching the Word of God. And this is what happened with Saul and Barnabas when they went to teach people. They preached the Word of God, and not just a few people got saved. They taught much people. Now notice as well, the disciples were called Christians first in Antioch. And then the prophets came from Jerusalem to Antioch in verse 27. And the Bible continues to talk of Antioch in a positive light. Say, what's this got to do with anything? This is where the manuscripts come from. This is one place the manuscripts come. The Textus Receptus. Now notice, we go to Acts chapter 13 next. And we read verses 1 through 3. The Bible speaks. Now there were in the church that was at Antioch certain prophets and teachers, as Barnabas, Simeon, that was called Niger, and Lucius of Cyrene, and Manaen, which had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. As they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Ghost said, Separate me, Barnabas and Saul, for the work whereunto I have called them. And when they had fasted and prayed and laid their hands on them, they sent them away. Now notice, if you would, Antioch had teachers and prophets who were of God, according to Acts chapter 13, verses 1 and 2. We see a list in that, the verses I just read of five teachers and prophets, starting with Barnabas and closing with Saul. And these two were the cream of the crop. And in verse 2, the Holy Ghost moves both of them to do a great work. And guess what that work was? It was the first missionary journey, and it originated from Antioch. Now, there's nothing but positive light associated with the city of Antioch, Syria. But let me say this. There is an Antioch in Pisidia, according to Acts chapter 13, verse 14. This is not Antioch of Syria. Now, your modern-day translators, if you want to call them that, these modern-day so-called prophets, will try to mix these two together. It doesn't work. 
And we may see that in just a moment as we see how that, they're, that both of them come into play here. And some people try to confuse people by saying, yeah, hey, you see there, there's a problem here. Well, there's no problem. There are two Antiochs, one is Pisidia and one is in Syria. And Syria is where the script, the Texas Receptus comes from. Now the Jews from Antioch in Acts chapter 14, verse 19 are from Pisidia, not Syria. The Antioch mentioned in Acts chapter 14, 21 is also the Antioch of Pisidia, not Syria. Now remember, Antioch of Syria is where people were first called Christians. Keep these things in mind. Acts chapter 14, verses 25 through 28. The Bible speaks. And when they had preached the word in Perga, they went down into Italia, and thence sailed to Antioch, from whence they had been recommended to the grace of God for the work which they fulfilled. And when they were come and had gathered the church together, they rehearsed all that God had done with them and how he had opened the door of faith unto the Gentiles. And there they abode long time with the disciples. In verse 25, the first great Christian missionary journey is winding down in Perga, then Italia, and finally they sailed back to Antioch. Is it any wonder that tonight we're looking at the first missionary journey? We're getting ready to have a missions conference. And this is, when we take part in this mission conference, keep in mind that the first missionary journey we just read about. Now there's been mission, many missionary journeys, but we're concerned about the missionary journeys that's going to take place from this place right now. As these men and their families come to share with us the things of God, the things that God has laid on their hearts. Uh, you say was when, when Paul, when Saul, uh, Barnabas and Saul, Paul and all these, they went out, let's say on this first missionary journey. Well, that was really important. That's true. But is it more important than what sent out now to spread the word of God. It's all important, but God is good to us and he's allowing us to have part in seeing men, women, their families go to the mission field in this country and spread the word of God. Going into churches that more or less might close down or in the process of closing down. And these men and women, their families go in there and they help these pastors. If they have pastors there, they will fill the pulpits and they will preach the word of God. Folks, this is a mission field we live in right now. This is a mission field. And we need to be supporting the missionaries who are going out in this country and telling other people about Jesus Christ and seeing the work of God go forth. Well, the Antioch where the disciples were called Christians first and the city from where the first missionary journey originated was in Syria. Well, then we see in verse 27 of Acts chapter 14 where God had opened the door of faith to the Gentiles. We see that again. And in verse 28, in part as it is written, they abode long time with the disciples in Antioch. This location, Antioch, seems to be the headquarters for Barnabas and Paul. God was moving in Antioch, the Bible speaks. Now, chapter 15, verse 22 through 27. Then it pleased the apostles and elders with the whole church to send chosen men of their own company to Antioch. 
with Paul and Barnabas, namely Judas, and their surname Barsabas, and Silas, chief men among the brethren. And they wrote letters by them after this manner. The apostles and elders and brethren send greeting unto the brethren which are of the Gentiles in Antioch and Syria and Cilicia. For as much as, as we have heard that certain which went out from us have troubled you with words, subverting your soul, saying ye must be circumcised and keep the law, to whom we gave no such commandment. It seemed good unto us, being assembled with one accord, to send chosen men unto you with our beloved Barnabas and Paul, men that have hazarded their lives for the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. We have sent, therefore, Judas and Silas, who shall also tell you the same things by mouth. They were backing up what each other knew to be the truth. Well, notice here that the apostles, the elders, and the whole church send chosen men where? To Antioch. And then Gentiles in Antioch had never been commanded to be circumcised or to keep the law. Acts chapter 15, verses 23 through 24 talks about this. Now notice this. The apostles and elders in the church at Jerusalem send chosen men from Jerusalem to Antioch. There was a problem there. They sent Barnabas and Paul to clear up the misunderstandings about whether the Gentiles had to be circumcised or not and whether they should be under the law or not. Now we know that no one is saved under the law. The law brings us to a point where we know we can't save ourselves. That there's only one way, that we need a way, and that way is the Lord Jesus Christ. Now notice this, verse 30 through 35 of Acts 15. So when they were dismissed, they came to Antioch. And when they had gathered the multitude together, they delivered the epistle, which when they had read, they rejoiced for the consolation. And Judas and Silas, being prophets also themselves, exhorted the brethren in many, with many words and confirmed them. And after they had tarried there a space, they were let go in peace from the brethren unto the apostles. Notwithstanding, it pleased Silas to abide there still. Paul also with Barnabas continued in Antioch, teaching and preaching the word of the Lord with many others also. The disciples multiplied. They rejoiced when they heard what the epistle said. You know, the epistle was the word of God. And so these people listened and things happened in their lives. Verse 30 tells us that there was a multitude of people, and I believe, uh, I believe a multitude of saved people were there. Uh, there was much joy and exhortation in Antioch. Paul and Barnabas, Judas and Silas, and many others were preaching, teaching, and prophesying in the word of the Lord in Antioch. Acts chapter 15 and verse 40, the Bible speaks again. And Paul chose Silas and departed, being commanded by the brethren unto the grace of God. Paul departs from Antioch to begin his next missionary journey. He was a missionary. He preached the word of God wherever he went. He always called a, caused a stir. Uh, we know that he was, uh, you know, many times he was mistreated by those people who did not believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. They did not believe the message. Now, the book of Acts is telling us, as we've read here, which city the pure manuscripts came from. 
Antioxeria. And many so-called scholars are Bible critics. You remember we talked about textual criticism. Textual criticism is nothing more than try, someone using that as trying to tear down the Word of God. These people say, no, 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 uh, don't trust the writings that have roots in Antioch. That's the manuscripts that the old King James was translated from. They'll tell you this. That's for the unlearned commoners, they say. Here are the manuscripts you can trust. What are they? These right here from Alexandria, Egypt. You see, they call them the older, the better, and more reliable manuscripts. Well, the Bible tells a different story. Who you're going to believe, man or God? Are you going to believe what God has written and so far what we've read in the scriptures? Antioch, Syria, God speaks of in a positive way all the way through the scriptures. Galatians chapter 2 and verse 11 says, But when Peter was come to Antioch, I, that's Paul speaking, I withstood him to the face and uh, I withstood him to the face because he was to be blamed. Can you imagine this? Paul the Apostle chewing out the Pope? Can you imagine this? He stood up to the Pope. Well, of course, we know he wasn't the Pope. But Paul the Apostle, he, he stood face to face with Peter and he said, you're wrong. You're right. See, Peter had not received everything from God at this point. Paul the Apostle was uh, in the process of sending out epistles, helping others to understand the true words, the true things of God. Galatians 2.16 says, Knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law, but by the faith of Jesus Christ, even we have believed in Jesus Christ, that we might be justified by the faith of Christ, and not by the works of the law. For by the works of the law shall no flesh be justified. Well, Paul explains to Peter the details of the gospel at Antioch and Syria. We're saved by grace through faith. It's not of ourselves. It's a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. The Bible teaches us this. As we think of this tonight, if you've come here tonight without Jesus Christ, you need to leave here with him. Now, I'm not any better than you, but I'm better off because I've trusted Jesus Christ as my Savior and if you've trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior, you need to be acting like it. You need to be telling others about Jesus Christ. And you need to leave this place tonight on top of the world ready to tell everybody that you love Jesus. Well, note this. Antioch, Syria is always spoken of in a positive way in the Bible. Now, we've looked at the word Antioch where it's mentioned in the Bible. So now, let's get back to Alexandria. Remember, this is, another, this is where another text came forth, Alexandria, Egypt. You see, there's not a whole lot that the Bible uh, says about Alexandria. But we're going to look at what the Bible says. In fact, Alexandria is only mentioned four times in the Bible. Alexandria... Alexandrians is mentioned in the Bible for the first time in Acts chapter 6 and verse 9. We've already read that and I'm going to read it again. And it's mentioned in a negative light. Notice verse 9 of Acts 6. Uh, then there arose certain of the synagogue, which is called the synagogue of the Liber Libertines, 
and Cyrenians and Alexandrians and of them of Cilicia and of Asia disputing with Stephen. Uh, remember that uh, these were some of the people disputing with and eventually stoning Stephen, killing him. They were disputing with him over the law. Oh, that's part of the Word of God. You see, we still have the, the law. We still have the Ten Commandments. We don't throw that out because it's still there. It tells us that there's no way to heaven except through Jesus Christ. It tells us that we're guilty and we're lost on our way to hell without Jesus Christ. Now, Acts chapter 18, verse 24 through 26, is the second mention of Alexandria in the Bible. It says there, Acts chapter 18, verses 24 through 26, And a certain Jew named Apollos, born of Alexandria, an eloquent man and mighty in the Scriptures, came to Ephesus. This man was instructed in the way of the Lord, and being fervent in the Spirit, he spake and taught diligently the things of the Lord. Notice this, knowing only the baptism of John, and he began to speak boldly in the synagogue, whom when Aquila and Priscilla had heard, they took him unto them and expounded unto him the way of God more perfectly. Amen. None of us know it all. We still need to get into the Word and study the Word of God. And this is one example of it. This man was well-versed, but he didn't know it all. We have here a Jew named Apollos, born in Alexandria. He was preaching and teaching only the baptism of John. And even though he was eloquent and mighty in the Scriptures, he did not know all of the Scriptures until Aquila and Priscilla expounded them to him the way of God more perfectly. Think of it. The famous teacher born in Alexandria only had part of the Word of God. We have the Old Testament here, but keep in mind that epistles had already been written. Some of these epistles we're reading today, folks, and this is what this man was missing. He was not reading the entire scriptures that had been written at that time. How many times have you read the scriptures through? How many times have you been, become acquainted with God's Word? You need to get in it, and you need to study God's Word. Number three, Alexandria is mentioned for the third time in the Bible in Acts chapter 27 and verse 6. And there, it, it says, And there the centurion found a ship of Alexandria sailing into Italy, and he put us therein. Now this is Paul. You remember he was taken, and he was a prisoner. And it was on a ship. Coming from where? You guessed it, Alexandria. He was being delivered to Rome, Italy, to be judged by Caesar. And even though it is not in the Bible, there's historical data that claims Paul was sentenced to death and beheaded there in Rome. And once again, negative light for Alexandria, Egypt, is here. A ship from their city was transporting the prisoner Paul toward his death. Number four, mention of Alexandria, Egypt now in Acts chapter 28 and verse 11, the fourth time in the Bible. And after three months, we departed in a ship of Alexandria, which had wintered in the isle, whose sign was Castor and Pollux. Now notice, you remember how Paul and the others were shipwrecked? None of them were lost. They made it to an island. Paul was there. You remember he got bitten by a, a viper. He didn't die. Well, they were picked up. They were rescued by another ship. Remember, the ship of Alexandria that had brought them to that point 
had gone down. Well, now there's another ship from Alexandria, Egypt that came to Melita. Now those on the ship were all saved, and I've said that. And uh, notice this. This other ship came, and there was a name. There were names on this ship. Uh, the names, what was the names? The names of the ship mean this. The, the twins, Castor and Pollux, born to Leda after her sedu seduction by Zeus. Now, this is the name of the ship that picked him up. Castor was mortal, but Pollux was immortal. At Pollux's request, they shared his immortality between them, spending half their time below the earth in Hades. That was a place of, of uh, joy and things, you know, and I believe that the Muslims still call that that, Hades, and other half on Olympus. They're often identified with the constellation Gemini, and the names refer, refer to brothers who didn't even exist in the paganism found in Alexandria. Everything we're reading, you read about Alexandria is not good. Nothing is good. Alexandria, Egypt is never spoken of in a positive way in the Bible. Now this concludes this concludes the King James Bible of what it has to say about these two cities. Antioch and Alexandria. This concludes it. Now, even though the Bible has very little to say about Alexandria, it has a lot to say about the nation that Alexandria is in. Right. Alexandria is in Egypt. Notice Egypt. Now, there, there are many examples that can be given about Egypt. Many of them are very negative. I'm going to give you two of them. The first and the last times the word Egypt is mentioned in the Bible. Egypt, reference, reference number one. Genesis chapter 12, verses 10 through 12. Notice the first time that it's mentioned in the Bible. And there was a famine in the land, and Abram went down into Egypt to sojourn there. For the famine was grievous in the land. And it came to pass when he was come near to enter into Egypt, that he said unto Sarah, Sarai his wife, Behold now, I know that thou art a fair woman to look upon. Therefore it shall come to pass when the Egyptians shall see thee, they shall say, This is his wife, and they will kill me, but they will save thee alive. Men, don't take your wives to Egypt. Okay? He was concerned because they, these people were going to kill him for his wife. And this is the first time that Egypt is mentioned in the Bible in verse 10. It was a place where Abraham sojourned because of the famine. And as I've already read in that verse, he was afraid that they were going to kill him for her. Now, it's in a negative light that this city, this Alexandria is mentioned. And Egypt was like another world to the people of God. And it still is today. Egypt is a representation of the world. And that's where Alexandria, Egypt was located in Egypt. Now the last time that Egypt is mentioned in the Bible, Revelation chapter 11 and verse 8. And their dead bodies shall lie in the street of the great city, which spiritually is called Sodom and Egypt, where also our Lord was crucified. Now notice this. The last time that Egypt is mentioned in the Bible is there. And obviously there is a lot of symbolism in the book of Revelation. 
And with that being said, the point is this, that I wish to make is notice how God links Sodom and Egypt together. The Bible closes with very negative comment about Egypt, associating it spiritually with Sodom. Now, if you were God and you were going to preserve your word, would you do it out of Egypt? Would you, t would you as God, would you say, that's where the manuscript is going to come from that I'm going to let people read? Would you do that if you were God? Egypt has always been pictured as a stronghold of the devil, Satan, Beelzebub, murderer. Well, let's hear the conclusion of the matter. You say, I was hoping you were going to get to that. Let's hear the conclusion now. The New Testament of the King James Bible was translated from manuscripts which have their roots in Antioch, Syria. All the New Testaments of the new modern-day versions and the Catholic Bibles were translated from manuscripts which have their roots in Alexandria, Egypt. Well, how about those who claim to be just updating the old King James Bible? For example, once again, I mentioned the new King James Version claims to be a revision of the King James Bible. I say baloney to that. It's not true. It's a new translation, and it's corrupt. The translators say it's from Antioch, but it smells like it's from Alexandria. And if it promotes Egypt, the world, if it smells like Egypt, the world, if it is promoted by Egypt, the world, if it is accepted by the unsaved, then it must be from Egypt, the world. Now, there are several Bibles that I mentioned in the previous studies. And there's one Bible I left out. The Christian Standard Study Bible, the Holman Christian Standard Study Bible. This is put out by the Southern Baptist Convention, by their publishing. It started out with a man who started translating it <clears throat> from the New King James. He died. Then it was picked up and somebody else started translating it out of the, how do you say that word, Koine Greek? Uh, uh, Greek. Corne. Corne, Greek. Well, that changed. And then it finally was translated from the NU, Nestle Allen Greek text. Guess who the authors of that is, for the most part? Westcott and Hort, the heretics that corrupted, tried to corrupt the Word of God. But I got news for you, this book is not corrupted. This King James Bible will stand when those Bibles are being burned, those so-called Bibles. In spite of man, God has always been and always will be in control, and I say glory to God to that. Amen. Nothing is going to destroy God's Word, and we can leave here tonight with this assurance that God's Word is going to stand. It's never going to pass away. The living Word is alive today. He's waiting for us in heaven, and He's coming back soon for us to take us up to heaven to be with Him forever. Would you bow with me for prayer?